Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Double or Nothing Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to this weekend's AEW Double or Nothing Pay-Per-View. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Duper, oh, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick uh, to look ahead to this weekend's pay-per-view, um, which we talked about earlier on today on the Dynamite review. It's fair to say we have some reservations over, and yet you've said before, Sidge, that this potentially could be a bit like an NXT takeover in the build hasn't been great, but on paper some of these matches are sensational. Yeah, like on a purely in-ring perspective, I'm greatly looking forward to AEW TakeOver Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not into the build almost across the board. And the fact that there's one rule-proving exception proves that there's a rule. MGF versus Wardlow has been absolutely like fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It doesn't have the quite the same emotional resonance and like proper main event, this is a classic thing, aura of MGF versus CM Punk, mm-hmm. pay the man, pay the goddamn man, <laughs> pay him all of the Lesnar money, for God's sake. Um, but it is the most fun, relentlessly cathartic, over-interesting, good guy versus bad guy story in this entire company. And I think it might be the feud of the year. It's it's one of MGF's, one yep. of the two. Yeah, um, The MGF versus Punk rivalry had... Two great matches. This has had none yet, but um, we'll discuss imminently whether the match is going to live up to the build. Elsewhere, the world title, which is so important in terms of shaping your perception of the whole company. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. A complete and utter disappointment. Um, So much else feels like just a latter-day WrestleMania pre-two-night split attempt to get lots and lots of people on the card. Tony Khan isn't booking. He's accommodating at this point across so much of this show. Uh, I just There's a feeling with an AEW pay-per-view where 
I'm trying to phrase this very carefully because I don't want it to seem like, oh, I don't mind if someone gets ill and misses the show. But I was so into every build pretty much for the last two or three years that, like, it would kind of feed into my anxiety of, oh, well, this is too good to be true. Someone's going to piss hard or someone's going to miss the show under mysterious circumstances. And what a shame that would be. And you've got no control over this. Stop worrying about it. It could happen. That's the level of investment where I got anxious about it not happening mm. exactly as AEW laid it out to happen because the booking was so good. Now, we can't go two rules tinted. Something like MJF versus Darby Allen, the feud actually wasn't that great. The match itself was awesome. So there is, there's always been that element. But there's always been like two, three, four, or five, at least two, at least two mm-hmm. matches that you are desperate to see. Just absolutely desperate to see. And this is not the case at all. Yeah, the word is became so commonplace when it came to discussing AEW pay-per-views that WWE incorporated it into their branding because they're the towel not show. They became premium live events. That's actually what AEW pay-per-views yes. were. Uh, and that currently is what this doesn't feel like. As Sidgwick sort of alluded to there, the inclusion of so many people on a card like reduces the ability for this to feel premium because when you have that sense of roster blur, and the one thing I think most people can agree on when it comes to, yeah, if, if we're the low guys on AEW, then so be it. But the one thing I think most people can agree on is that there is now a feeling of roster bloat rather than the embarrassment of riches. And everyone, like the people are just saying, well, it's going to be when Ring of Honor gets its TV deal, that's going to fix that problem. Or when this happens, that problem's going to be fixed. But most people are acknowledging that it is a problem. Double or nothing on paper doesn't feel like an acknowledgement of the problem. It feels like an acceptance of it. Mm. The card doesn't feel premium. The card feels like big. If you've bought a ticket to this show, you're going to see your favourite AEW wrestler. Who's your favourite AEW wrestler? doesn't matter. It's 50 of them. So you'll get yours at some point during the night. There's lots of masters to service in pro wrestling now in the the way that it's a content-driven industry, the way that it's all about TV rights, the way that Tony Khan has said that there's going to be special guests from the network there for Double or Nothing that are going to host an event for them afterwards as there's this sort of creeping and somewhat unfounded anxiety behind this recent um, merger that has got all the head wrestling fans worried that the same thing's going to happen to AEW, what it did to WCW. Is that a reason for Double or Nothing being so full of wrestlers? It's like, look, here's your... It's, so it's it? actually happening at the LA show. At the LA show, yeah. right? Okay, but there's people there. I think there's three execs that are going to be at Double or Nothing mm. oh, as there? guests. I yeah. think so. I'm sure that's what you like you mentioned. And it's just this idea of like, well, it's still the wrestling buffet, but to what extent have you dilated that? To what extent have you thought less about the quality of different like, dishes on offer and instead just made sure there's a little bit of absolutely everything? But... This is probably the most trusted process I've felt in AEW. Well, I've not particularly trusted the process because the process has felt really unfocused on television. This is where I want to continue to trust it because there's been three years of pay-per-views and there's not been too many like out-and-out turkeys. I might have had complaints over, uh, if not length, then certainly how they've been laid out or how they've structured these shows. Um, but there's always been enough quality to shine through. There's always been something that is your takeaway, that if you bought a ticket, you're leaving the building thinking, wow, that was amazing. Mm. Or if in the pandemic era when none of us could attend, you're switching off the thing saying, well, most of this was whatever, or I'm really exhausted, but I can't fault how great that thing was. This still seems to have that, and maybe lowered expectations might help this card on the night. Sorry, I just thought of when you said that, when you turned it off in the pandemic era, I didn't think, what was it you said? Well, most of this was decent. Yeah. I thought, 
well, most of this was decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to not wake her up upstairs, basically. Uh, speaking of which, uh, myself and Michael Hamphill will be doing the live stream at 4 Double or Nothing on Sunday night, so do join us uh, over on our YouTube channel for that. And then myself and Hamphill will be reviewing the show in the, hopefully, early hours of oh, Monday nah, morning. It's going to be daylight, man. It's going to be daylight in the UK. Maybe it's going to be funny by the gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, right, let's start off on the buy-in. Uh, and start with the match we are genuinely looking forward to. Hockhausen versus Tony Nice and Mark Sterling. How do you see this one going, Hamlet? I'd happily see this one going on much later than it actually is. I think this warrants a place on the card more than... So I, I don't think the match is going to be absolutely amazing, and I do worry about uh, how much Danhausen... Not ex- exposes his limitations is unfair, but, like... Kills some of the magic, let's say, the second that he's dragged into like longer matches or something like that. And to a lesser extent, I think that about Hook as well. Mm-hmm. But they've preserved it up to this point. And they certainly, how in all the various metrics with which you can judge if somebody's a star these days, right now we've had enough from Hook and Dan Housen to say that they are that at very least in terms of t-shirt sales, engagement, YouTube numbers, how they're valued in terms of being mostly rampage, exclusive properties, all that sort of thing. Um, all that's to say... I don't think this is really going to be about the quality of the match, but merely the quality of a couple of moments. Hook being the one to get an awesome hot tag and getting to do a series of terrifying suplexes, ideally on Smart Mark Sterling's iffy neck. <laughs> yeah. As the crowd go wilder and wilder and wilder, only to potentially tag back in Danhausen for Danhausen to do something cool and to and for Hook to acknowledge that. This is really, really simple. You've got a wrestling heel on one side of the ring in Tony Nice that can control the bulk of the match, can control offense on a Danhausen without Danhausen having to give too much away, mm-hmm. followed by Hook getting Hook and Danhausen collectively getting to get the win for something very, very nice, if not great. I'm really looking forward to this. Like generally, my pattern is go to bed at 8 p.m. UK time or the second that the kids are asleep, wake up again at 1. And then fail to get back to sleep because I'm a market buzzes about this promotion. <laughs> so don't forget that just because I've poo-pooed it for about three or four weeks. Um, <laughs> pulled some faces there. So <laughs> the temptation is to get up a little bit earlier. What I tend to do, because I review it, and you'll be able to uh, read star ratings for uh, Double or Nothing 2022 on com slash WWE, but I tend to watch the full main card show. It gives an extra hour of precious sleep. And then revisit the pre-show, unspoiled, or spoilers, I, I don't really care. There's no nap gap in between the show finishing and work, really, is yeah, there with these AW ones? Absolutely not, because they're on too long. And I usually think they're great. <laughs> <laughs> but I might watch this live just because I think it's going to be so much fun. Danhausen can do things. You have been conditioned to think he can't because Tony Nice beat him with absolutely no pushback whatsoever. That's going to be threatened, and then he might get a 2.9 kick out. Like, don't drag this on too much longer than it needs to. Make it very, very compact indeed. And uh, Danhausen is going to do a favoured AEW spot where, like, Diamond Dallas Page did a dive. Sting did a balcony dive. Incredulity drives pops and spots in this company and it's one of my favorite little trends and if dan housen is a canadian destroyer <laughs> which tony which he can do and tony Nese can absolutely take to go from like stupid little geek is he even a wrestler who's endearing who literally can't do anything except get his ass kicked suddenly can do a canadian destroyer like that naught to 60 rush pop is the exact sort of thing they're clever enough to do um hook 
and Tony Nice on a, on a more like dry, critical level. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing something really competitive between Tony Nice and Hook because I want to see if he can actually do it. Mm. I know he's got the squash match down can pat. He can, I know he can <laughs> go, but like, can he do a competitive yeah, game yeah, yeah. match? So I'm actually going to be a boring bastard. Let's use this fun undercard pre-show meme attraction to really get a taste of him. Um, Ability to work a competitive <laughs> back and forth match. And speaking of meme attractions, we have begged and begged and begged and begged enough. Danhausen is there, Hook is there. It's only on the buy in, but the world will be watching. Give us the fucking peck pyro. Let Sunday be yes. the night that Tony Nice points at those abs and points at those pecs and gets a big firework for every single just, one of them. Just please. to make sure the pyro is working for the main card, if anything. Perfect. Perfect. Like a test. Yeah. yeah. Um, I agree. I think Hook and wins, and that is going to factor into another piece of my booking later on, so I'll just stick with that for the time being. Um, it, before I forget, Sige, uh, at time of recording, there are 11 matches, including the uh, the uh, Hookhausen match, on the card for Double or Nothing. Um, do you sense that we do add the uh, the mixed tag featuring Paige Van Zandt onto this card? And do you think it will go in the buy-in, for example? It doesn't deserve to go on the pay-per-view. It absolutely does not deserve to go on the pay-per-view. They've had the inverse audience reaction to that which they've sought throughout. When Sammy Guevara was playing a face the first time, he got booed out of the building. I think it was Boston. They didn't think it was Wicked Pisser. He got sick of the side of his Wicked Pisser on Twitter. It's Wicked Come on, more like God damn it. Is Wicked Pisser good? Yes. I'll double check. So he's been booed out of the building and everyone online thinks it's terrible and, you know, just doesn't deserve it. And look, realistically, like, do this on Dynamite or Rampage. Or, you know what, do it on Dark because I just can't be arsed with it. And I don't think it's me with a personal distaste for whatever. Wilborn's quietly popping over there. Um, look, if it's on the show, there's a chance that people actually just kind of hijack it. Imagine an AEW crowd hijacking the product. Yeah. Mm. And that would be soul-destroying, genuinely. But maybe it's what's needed. Wilborn has got an update. Uh, Wicked Wicked Pisser is outstanding slash awesome. And the example is the Red Sox World Series run in 2004 was Wicked Pisser. Wicked Pisser. When he said outstanding slash, I thought it was just going to end there. I had a Wicked Pisser. (laughs) Do your John Cena returns home to Boston and suddenly becomes more Boston than Boston impression? Well, wait, I can't remember what he says now. Oh, I can't I remember. The champ is here. I'm back in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Boston. What? Who's that? Who are you? Who are you? That's not your thing. Uh, I would quite like, regardless of the result, I'm just going to go straight into fantasy booking overdrive to make this feel good. Because um, that risk of the fans hijacking, I think, is real. And if you could... Do something that would feel like an over-delivery. It's 2022, and let's have the best man of the year. Result, doesn't matter. Miro comes out and just batters everybody at the end. Have the yes. match. Yes. This brand new TNT title hangs in the balance. And the last guy to make this... There's a wicked piss of t-shirt. Wicked sorry. Piss of t-shirt. The last guy to make this belt feel anything who is presumably back available again just comes out and destroys whomever's wins. Like, Sammy Guevara gets the accolade... Or Scorpio Sky just gets battered, or whatever. Like they're all they're all crap and Miro's ace, something like that. Especially if it was on a buy-in or early doors, would be a nice surprise moment when we're looking at a card that doesn't look like it's full of them. Very quickly, while we're still on buy-in stuff, right? Mm-hmm. At Revolution, I noted, as did everyone, because I saw it, 
Uh, Don Callis came out to Kenny Omega's yes. theme music via fake out, right? What if they do it again? And the idea is, if you were to come out to uh, Battle Cry on Dynamite, you subdue what would obviously be a huge bab <laughs> because people would think it's Don Callis. I just kind of, I love Battle Cry. Like, I think I was hiring it from day one. But, like, imagine if they do this in a way that makes you associate Battle Cry with Callis. So they do Devil Sky for his return. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eyes rolling up in the back of my head. At the yeah. Do it now. Especially, yes. Forbidden door. Forbidden door. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go through that door. It's forbidden. You heard? <laughs> oh, that was what he would say. Uh, I'm back in Boston, you heard? <laughs> well, I want to buy your T-shirt now. You keep talking. Okay. Keep the podcast on the tracks. I'm going to Google John Cena Boston accent. Boston. In case, like, something on that uh, absolute hellscape of red uh, squared circle comes up where it's yeah. clipped without me having to look for it on uh, the network. What else you got? We got more on the road to Forbidden Door to come a little bit later on. Uh, let's start on the main card, though. Let's start with the Owen Hart uh, Memorial Tournament. It's the finals, of course. Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole on the men's side. And Britt Baker versus either Ruby Soho or Chris Statlander on the women's side. Uh, with some nice pink and black belts, I believe, uh, waiting for the winners. Uh, Who have you got? Who have you got winning the uh, the Owen Hart Cups, I suppose? Adam Cole and Britt Baker, for the visual of them holding up the belts as something of a on-and-off power couple of AEW, as they have briefly when they were in that last, those feeds a couple of months back. Um, they are not... Neither tournament has gone really where I imagined it would. No. And... Neither final, regardless of who makes it in the women's final, neither final really. Who have you got? Uh, I, I want Statlander, I've got Soho. Yeah. Um, neither final really has that, like, triumphant baby face. Cause that, so, Soho, Statlander, or Smojo could be the baby faces that win this tournament. Are any of those the type of baby faces that kind of, a, no pun intended, the heart on the sleeve battling baby face that you want to will to win in the tournament. They're not really, are they? Samoa Joe is definitely not that. Ruby Soho has kind of done nothing of late as a baby face to feel like she's been on this journey back. And Statlander is a literal alternate. So none of them have got this hero's journey to the final. So I just think they'll go with the two heels that generate huge baby face reactions for elements of their work. You know, like for all that they're villains, until, they, until they're formally turned, like... Britt Baker and Adam Cole will continue to generate these massive reactions. Them doing their respect. Like, Adam Cole, baby, belt flings in the air. DMD, belt flings in the air. Like, it's something, isn't it? It's, mm. a, it's a big moment for the two of them. If this tournament, and we assume it will, becomes an annual thing, it'll be... They're, they're fairly prestigious winners. You know, they're the big stars in their own right. So, it's something. Whereas, I feel like the baby faces on either side, Samoa Joe, Statlander, or Soho, would feel a bit like nothing winners. Mm. It's... Having them win is all... I know they're like... They're not belts in the traditional sense, but they are literal belts on the night. It's belts making men rather than the other way around. And I just... I don't see much fun in it. At least like... At least Adam Cole and Britt Baker have got over chants and taunts and entrances. And that's something. Yeah. This whole tournament, beyond some really cool brief highlights, has been a bit of a dud. Like, you know how we do this thing where let's take the piss out of Sammy Guevara again where you think, who would make a better TNT champion than Sammy Guevara or Scorpio Sky? And he can do, like, the Excalibur voice. Where it's like, who can draw it? Malachi Black, <laughs> Miro, Danielson, Moxley, Kingston. Like, 90% of them at the minute. Like, if you were to say, or be told, look, the Owen happening, 
Four double or nothing, mm -hmm. right? Do your fantasy brackets. What's your final, right? Does anyone alive say Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe? Even though it might be kind of cool, eh, I guess. Mm. It's a cool tournament match. It's not my final, though. It's not a final. Uh, I think they showed me Dax and Jungle Boy as, like, real earnest babyface finalists and then went nowhere near either. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it, as Cedric points out, if you really look up and down that roster, you'll see babyfaces and heels that you like the look of as the, like, heart and sleeve winner or the real horrible spoiler, you know, the one that wants to ruin the fun. Cole and Joe are not either of those. So what? Um, look, I think Cole and Baker will win. I think they are in the finals as a couple to win for the exact purpose of, one, it's kind of cute because they're together, two, the big stars, like huge stars really, and like they kind of have to be appeased. It's accommodation booking. Britt Baker, if she's not going to be the women's world title holder, um, you kind of have to put her on the pay-per-view. Oh, let's have a win the own. It just feels a bit like they haven't told a really warming, stirring, emotionally resonant story through the vehicle of the own Heart tournament. It just feels like a device to make sure the public knows that these two people are still stars, even though they've lost their titles or they've lost their big title match at the last pay-per-view. It's all a bit... Uh, God, you can have the IC title if you lose the WWE one or something yeah. like mm. that, um, rather than this wonderful, self-contained... Um, tournament which can build a new star it's more just reminding people that these people are stars and I guess you know what to be pedantic the exact same thing happened with Bret Hart at King of the Ring 1993 mm. yeah. so but you know he's my hero and Adam Cole isn't in Samoa Joe's like you know just a badass who doesn't really the huge difference there as well is that it was appeasement from the company but at least that was a one-night thing and you had Bret Hart to tell one of the great one-night stories. Yeah. This is like a stretched-out, protracted two-month thing, isn't it? Which yeah. is overlapped with other storylines. Like, is Adam Cole super focused on the Owen or is he kind of more interested in what's going on between the Undisputed Elite and the Young Bucks and the yeah. return of Kenny Omega and all that kind of thing? They've used storylines and angles as drivers instead of Bret or Owen, indeed, having yeah. one-night tournament victories. Yeah. In terms of match quality, Joe versus Cole... I think Hamlet mentioned on the Dynamite review, which you can also check out wherever you get your podcasts from. Of course, you already have, but just in case you haven't, <laughs> um, do listen to that. Very good, very well thought out. Some more Joe, no pin calls, various stuff could be good. My only issue is that Adam Cole wants to Panama Sunrise to Keith Lee. It was like ridiculous. And I buried it at the time. I was called a bias prick. And then, you know what happened? Uh, it, turned, it, turned, it turned up on R squared circle with the caption some people shouldn't be taking certain moves like 5k likes <laughs> um, this is gonna well a couple of things I wanted to ask you Soho versus Baker in the final for you as well yes they've again I've said this a lot of times they've been telling a story that Ruby Soho has been inextricably linked to Dr. Britt Baker who kind of embodies her lack of confidence and she's the big bad for Ruby Soho's final push into being over and being a star and no one cares about this. <laughs> yeah. It's happened, I think, loosely and when it suits them at various points, but that's the story they are definitely going with here. And it's, it's a bit like when they were like, remember this epic feud that Serena Deeb and Kara Shida have had? I was like, I did, but then you forgot about it for about four <laughs> weeks. Yeah. They had a match that headlined Grand Slam. I think that General take, and it was probably a bit generous, was some of the spots were really cool. They had the crowd mostly 
It wasn't great, but it was just about worthy of this first massive, the biggest show they've ever done, realistically, in terms of a gate. That match was booked when Ruby Soho was still really, 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 really over, and Britt Baker was still a champion. Neither of those things are true now. I think if that indeed is the, the final, they are going to struggle badly, and uh, this is going to die on the night. Seriously, I think it's going to die. Chris Statlander is a more confused uh, tournament substitute than Tiffany Stratton. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they went more round the houses to get her in this tournament, only to lose in a semi, if she does indeed lose, than Tiffany Stratton's entrance into the risible breakout tournament on 2.0. Yes. And if they're what? not telling the story with Ruby Soho, she's just a serial loser. Yeah. Statlander Baker was really cool. Yeah. So if, they, if that's what we're previewing, yeah, absolutely. Like that match could beck you, because their, their first match did. It's going to worsen your mood. Does Jay Lethal or Sanjay Dutt or Satnam Singh get involved no. in the final? No. I don't think so. No, I think maybe after the fact, but like put the boots to him or something. But I don't think for the match itself. Good, that makes me feel a little bit better at least. Uh, what should we talk about next? TBS Championship. Jade Cargill defending against Anna Jay. Really enjoyable match the last time these two faced off. But you said on the Dynamite review again um, that it does feel a little bit last minute. This oh, a little. It's last second. Yes, <laughs> more like last second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So the crack here is that Jade Cargill and Anna Jay. I've got like an extensive shared training background in the Nightmare Factory. One was further along, but you know, they've obviously clearly like trained and partnered with each other and done reps with each other behind closed doors one million times. Hence why why they had this match on Rampage a couple of months ago at this point. It was awesome. Total over delivery. Like the victory roll from the Jaded was just a particularly great spot. But the whole thing was just a real triumph. Um and that's why they've booked it. Again, I'm sorry, there's obviously going to be some crossover with the Dynamite review. We have said this. But ultimately, they've thought, right, can't be asked to build it. It's a woman's match. Yeah, Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. Um, right, what do we do? Instead of building a story that people can get into, let's just do proper fail-safe booking here that can't go wrong. A shortcut to undiscerning marks on Twitter who tell people off for engaging with this product critically, what's the easiest shortcut to them saying, <laughs> thought this division was bad, guys? Cry laugh emoji. Not. <laughs> <laughs> right, what's the easiest match? Okay, one that's already been really good. The best one she's done so far. Like, And I've said this before, I'm sorry, but usually they'll do, ah, here are the number one contenders. What? Because they've just been two jobbers on Dynamite. Oh, they've been doing it on Elevation and Dark this whole time. This is like the fifth of a five-match winning streak. But it's on TV. I haven't even done that with Anna Jay because that's how little they care about women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Realistically, so this can piss off. It's sort of having your cake and eating it too as well to be like, look, it's, it's Jade Cargo match, so it needs to be short. Well, then why have you picked the one opponent? She's had a really, really good long match. But she's had more than that. Sorry, that's not fair. But It only like, went like seven or eight minutes. These two had a, a four-Jade Cargill long match. It wasn't the, yeah. the squash, was it, you know? Um you can't have it both ways. This either goes 10 minutes and, you know, fills some of the pay-per-view with a significant attempt to have a great match, or it's a Jade Cargill squash, and in which case you've just kind of, like, sacrificed Anna Jay for that, in which case why do it at all? I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to read the quality of this, because mm. it very viably could be one or the other, and I, I suppose it just depends what they want. Tony Khan made a point about, like, you know, I'm not up on my American sports ball, but uh, Summit could potentially go to uh, Game 7 in the pocket on Sunday. Yes. And he said, 
this wasn't on the media call, which is probably happening as we record this podcast. It was yesterday on, I don't know, some other loser podcast that isn't ours. That he, <laughs> he was saying that uh, this Game 7 could result in him having to think a little bit about how he structures his pay-per-view card. But anyone that might be watching Game 7 that has also bought the pay-per-view will flick over when the game's finished and definitely, definitely see Hangman Page. Tough tits! The main event. Right, this is what he's thinking about. I wonder if a couple of the matches on this card have been, I like Desert, and the wrestlers will probably know this, by the way. It's not going to be some sort of shadowy decision-making thing. Are there to be sacrificial lambs, things to be on, if we got sports on, on the other side? Because Tony Khan has promised and knows that people will turn back over and get their main event. He also alluded to there being an overrun that was afforded to him for the first time, or one of the first times they've been able to use a pay-per-view overrun, if it's needed. The promise is ultimately, Jesus if you flick over, you're getting Page Punk. That's your match. And I just look at this card, and as it when he said that, it did make me reflect on this card and wonder if a few things are there for the particularly hot periods of the sports game. Like you know, if, if he knows full well that it's it's going in overtime, bottom uh, of the ninth. Maybe um, it's going to be um, Serena Deeb versus Thunder Rosa, <laughs> Jay Cargill versus Anna Jay, and let me think about this. Um, the oh, the women's final. <laughs> oh, I, I just I, there's a and it's not just this match, but there's a couple of things where I did sort of think, hmm. hmm. Like maybe maybe he's got that in mind. Jay Gargoyle retains though. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine it not? <laughs> That's the thing. It's a stupid question, mate. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's talk about some of the uh, multi-man matches then. Uh, let's start Let's start with the, the Hardys and the Young Bucks because the tag the, match. this can go one of... Uh, one, yeah, <laughs> I, just one, lo- I just love being a... C- one of <laughs> so sorry. This could go one of two ways, couldn't it, Hamlet? Yeah. Um, surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the Hardy Boys win. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the young bucks. <laughs> He's double another them, all right? <laughs> Tremendous or utterly terrible. Yes. Like <laughs> that's what I was aiming at. It's a, it's not 
right? It, what this won't be is a crushing disappointment because there's just a chance it sucks. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like, I can't wait for this match. It's going to be awesome. There's not going to be that feeling before. And it's a, there's a nervousness around it. I think, um, look, the Young Bucks almost always, like Cedric's formula is almost always spot on about the Hoyman multi-man. Like, they're the X factor to this thing. Put them in a match. Put them in a match and they'll like they'll make it great. They'll really, really want this to be great. The Hardys aren't total slouches. I don't mean, I'm not suggesting this I is going to be like a, I don't think this is going to be like a carry job for the ages if it's good. No, it is. Do you really think Do you so? see the Butcher and the Blade table? Oh, no, that was They looked absolutely heroes of wrestling knackered. But they will do the best. Like, the Young, bo- the young Bucks will absolutely do the best to make the Hardy Boys still seem like they've still got it. Well, who says better? But yeah. I think... I <laughs> think... My gut is telling me they're going to manage it. I think this will... I think, will. I think the Young Bucks will do a bit of acting and that will threaten to undermine the whole thing. Like Matt Jackson will be like, how can I be so violent against my childhood heroes? That could be really, really like, your arse is going to be going 5p, 2p, it's going to be cringing so much. <laughs> but I think the main body of the match will be so great and they'll have some, they'll be, the Young Bucks are the wrestling version of the thing we always talk about when it comes to the booking. You want to predict like three things and then AEW does a fourth that you would have never even thought of. The Young Bucks apply that to the body of their matches. They do a thing that you would have never imagined possible. Not one of your literally impossible <laughs> no, spots. Yeah. Just they find a way to be creative with their incredible moveset in a way that you would have never imagined. And I think that is going to be the difference maker. I, I think this will be all right. I think they're going to they're going to more than get it over the line. It's going to be something that will be talked about and celebrated in the aftermath. A moveset rather than a shoe covered in thumbtacks. Yeah, but like uh, along yeah. those lines, adjacent to that, you know. Yeah, like there's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors in the spaces between moves, absolutely as there should be, absolutely as there should be, like Nick Jackson doing the Hardy Boys dance is like smug twat. If he could be such a smug twat doing that particular... Well, if you need any any advice, I would suggest randomly Seamus. Yeah, pay per view. I can't remember what it was. I think it was the triple threat. And I was like, "Where's this come from?" You know how like the Young Bucks' original gear was inspired by that dreadful early Hardy Boys plaid stuff. Be great if they came out in like nineties, early two thousand Hardy Boys, like the baggy jeans, like Young Bucks baggy jeans with the tight T-shirts with the little like Japanese writing on the shoulders. Get Brandon Cutler's dresses, Willow. Yeah, or Duck Hendricks. Yeah, Michael is. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a little fake ponytail. Fun <laughs> bag. Like you had a wedding. With like a, a thong, like, going yeah. up. So like <laughs> El- Elite and Michael Hayes hybrid. Um, what they should do is go, Nick Jackson do that. Yeah. And if he's got this, like, incredibly, wonderfully smug look on his face, I, someone who loves the young books, Hardy boys, maybe when I was 14, even I might want to see him get twister fated like into the canvas immediately. So a lot of stuff like that, a lot of taunts, a lot of character work, and a lot of that, so that by the time you actually really want the Hardy Boys to you know, show these mugs up, they're being obnoxious brats, when they do like a two and three quarter star version of their hits, the emotion and the crowd heat will mm. elevate it well above these guys are at least... Mm. Jeff Hardy showed me something about against Derby, that makes me think, right, okay, when the adrenaline's still there, he's more, like, late 90s WCW headliner than Heroes of Wrestling. Oh, my God. (laughs) You have arthritis. But he's in the middle of those two, isn't he? Yeah. 
Two more really quick things on this. Pray for Brandon Cutler's midsection because Jeff Hardy's coming down from that at a great oh pace and height. And also, I think maybe there's some heft in here because what if Red Dragon want to get involved and the books are like, nah, not tonight. Mm. And it feeds into a possible, like when they left Ring of Honor, there was a handshake after the last five of the match. What if there's a kind of mutual respect? It doesn't need to turn the book's baby face overtly, but that kind of mutual respect handshake at the end because they've like poo-pooed the help of Red Dragon and it feeds that. I don't hate that. Like I've, that's the slow burn element of the Young Bucks baby face turn that I actually quite like. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to ask a silly question again here. Young Bucks win purely because you've got to have one eye on Forbidden Door and they can't really go into that off a loss. Yeah, and Japan's tag team division is not good, unfortunately. Um, I just want the Young Bucks to win because I don't want to see the Hardys much more. Yeah, I kind of can't see. They've not really been acknowledging that this match has happened before. If they were leaning on the original match and the Young Bucks had won, you could almost sort of see them wanting to have the Hardys win for the rubber match. Yeah, yeah, They've yeah. not. They've actively avoided talking about it with that Dynamite promo. It's, it's so. almost like um, Triple H Undertaker WrestleMania 27. Perfect, yeah. Like where it's like, well, looks like it's time to finally do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you've already done it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I watched it on the same show on you know what the biggest wrestling show of all time <laughs> Superfly Jimmy Snooker it's my time you first <laughs> uh, let's move over to the tag title match then um, three way tag team title match Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus the champs obviously versus Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs Swerve got the victory in the singles three way on Dynamite has that changed your opinion well, as he's got the momentum now so he's obviously, he's obviously going to win the tag team titles alongside Keith Lee <laughs> I don't want to talk this is how I talk about WWE what a bunch of dickheads we've been in this it's great isn't it it's like this is how I talk about uh, WWE yeah, okay. like I'm telling you yeah, uh, biased are you like no you don't <laughs> fake feelings on this podcast no. like, <laughs> if you piss me off by presenting an inferior product mm-hmm. to that which my standards are dear, I will cruelly take the piss out of you. <laughs> That's just what I do. I used to love NXT, right? I used to love it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'll take the piss out of New Japan now. He's been on a sacred cow. The same thing will happen if they don't book their ideas up here. This match should be awesome. This match should be so much fun. Yes. Because we saw how awesome it's going to be. And that was before Keith Lee did a moonsault, which he's probably going to do in this match. It's going to be absolutely tits. Pounces. Like, Keith Lee, imagine all the cool stuff that you saw in the singles three-way match on Dynamite last night or wherever you, you know, wherever it was this week, <laughs> whenever you're listening, right? Imagine that, except they're going to do even cooler stuff because they're saving stuff for the pay-per-view. Then add the addition of big men doing absolutely awesome big men things that they've got no real right to do. Like Luchasaurus is a really cool... Moonsault, we'll see that. And imagine Keith Lee grabbing, uh, who can he grab? The Starks has got the best face for this. <laughs> Keith Lee grabs Starks, yeets him, but it turns into like a somersault plancher on the field on the outside, like by accident. There's going to be all sorts of incredibly cool, creative things here. Um, as insofar as the title switch goes, I suspect. I know the Christian thing's looming over everything. Um, I don't. I really don't know. I can't call it. My initial instinct is that the Christian thing is really sort of heating up now. I've had the titles for like a year and a half, uh, half a year. It's probably about enough. Yeah. There's very little else to do at this point. I, I, I still don't know. I still because I 
can't see them running with either other team, even though they're both great. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, I know they've teamed on the Indies before, but it still feels very much like, we can't not sign you, but we don't really have anything for you, so let's put you in a multi-man, more so than bloody go all the way with these lads. Maybe it is Starks and Hobbs time. You know what, if I had if I had a, if I had a, if I was a betting man, um, I would say that's Team Taz's uh, time to shine. They're my pick, Team same. Taz. Clean sweep, same. I think it's, they're, unlike Swerve and Keith Lee, who I think instantly when they put them together on Dynamite, you're like, yeah, go with that. Go with that for as long as you need to. Team Taz, it feels like their time, they feel so established as a team. It feels like, it feels like a cool way to genuinely elevate the stable by the virtue of them winning the belts as well. They kind of run the risk of them becoming goons and losers the more they don't, yes. they don't win the big one. You, like, I'm not saying this and is the one. And eking out an FTW championship retention. Yeah, like this isn't the exact one, but it feels like we're approaching that if they don't start to like put the big wins together. And especially in line with just how popular Hook is and in how obviously popular Team Taz could all be as baby faces. That's a re- like, I know for a while it looked like there was going to be a divide in reality that you could probably just turn them all like have, you know, Hobbs and Starks target heels instead, and then all of a sudden all their cool stuff becomes repurposed as babyface stuff instead of heel stuff. Um, and it can be separate from the Jungle Boy Christian thing that's looming entirely. Uh, what an effective sales pitch that, like for all the momentum stuff, what a super effective sales pitch that match was because like that's just told you they're going to go bars to the wow at the pay-per-view when they've already done a good job of it in the single. What was that? <laughs> I've kind of booked it. Right. For the Christian turn to happen... You can't really have Luchasaurus, right, be around. Otherwise, mm. it's baby faces two on one. I'm tweet this; it's so good. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet something about this. <laughs> Shut up, man! No, you know. <laughs> I've got, I've got something good coming. It better not be this. Oh, it might be. Right, you and I so, think very similar. Right. I'm, banging, I'm banging at this. So, you can't have Christian Cage turn on Jungle Boy when. You know, he's just lost a match, and he, yeah, he's messed it up. He's fucking all up for everyone. <laughs> because Luchasaurus is also there, yeah. and he would just go, Luchasaurus would just go, oh, hang on, what the hell are you doing, right? And also, Jungle Boy's lost quite a bit of late, and you want to think of as a loser, right? Who just gets his ass kicked all the time, <laughs> and he, he probably deserves to get turned on if anything, he's been a, ma- a massive disappointment to Christian Cage. What if the storyline injure Luchasaurus from the match? Right, leaving Jungle Boy to heroically oh, fight mm. on his own, so that he can't really be blamed. But it's still, nonetheless, the last. That's great. The last thing that just really pisses their Christian off. Wicked pisses. Wicked uh, pisses <laughs> them off. And then it's like, well, come on, come on, Christian. Like you know, I was in there by myself. It's like that's where you will remain, you little bitch. <laughs> Smack him in the face. <laughs> Not quite the same booking as I was going to go for. Uh, yeah. Uh, Team Taz wins, and maybe even you get Team Taz versus Hookhausen for the tag titles on telly or something like that if they don't want to, like you say, double t- uh, not double turn, but turn them all babyface. Uh, Christian Cage uh, murders Jungle Boy, like I said. I love Jungle Boy, but he's going to look great getting his head kicked in by Christian. Um, and to get rid of Luchasaurus, uh, Christian Cage throws a bin at his head and he forgets who he is. There you go. You're a wrestling dinosaur. I'm a what? Where's my title shot? Where's my title? <laughs> Where's my blue dot? Uh, right, let's talk heads of black versus death triangle. Um, yeah, I, this is going to be mint. If there is no, if there are no botches, right? 
if there are no botches, which are, a botch in this sort of match is the absolute worst, because if it happens right when you're like on the absolute just throes of going mental and losing your mind at how awesome it is, it's like, oh my God, why did you do it there? You didn't obviously do it on purpose, but it's just a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Sad pisser. <laughs> Sad pisser. <laughs> If there are no botches, right? I'm not. I'm pr- prone to hype. It's in Vegas. Said pisser, double the nut. Said pisser. I don't know why it got me. You've done it with me before. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the DiCaprio thing. Know, yeah. And some of these uh, women dad, I'm like, yeah. Rampage, <laughs> <laughs> <Rampage>, baby. All <laughs> <laughs> oh. <So>, right. <laughs> This match, and I'm prone to hyperbole. Maybe this is copium because I just really want the show to be awesome, right? Mm. Give it 15 to 17 minutes, right? Maybe just 15. I'll take the piss. Wicked piss. I want to go to bed at some point. Like, you know, I want to, you know, I want to get the, oh, the briefest emotional investment I have in the main event or the individual characters in it. Like, mm-hmm. come on, don't, yeah. don't ruin it already more than they have. Best trios match in AW history. Ooh. Potentially, yeah. If they're saving their very best stuff, this could be and should be given all the bill. They clearly think this match could be incredible. Like Broody King doing his most ridiculous high spot after you've already seen ten minutes of just absolutely brain melting high spots. Like Phoenix doing rope runs and then getting like power bombed like on the floor by Broody King, who is there to catch him. It, this is so good that it is Pointless fantasy booking spots about because they are the wrestlers and they could just blow your mind. Yeah, I don't care one bit about the story that's led to this, but I think this will be so good by design because it'll be amazing. It'll be it'll like generate some of the key gifts and talking points and all that sort of stuff. And it'll be the match that they use. I know we've said this before as well. It'll be the match that'll like launch the trios. It'll make the like a need for the trios title so great yes. because we've just witnessed how good. Like it's you can already imagine like somebody's phone video in Tony Khan doing one of them sort of. Oh my god, how great was that? We need belts. You guys want belts in Vegas? Like, the, <laughs> like because it's been so fantastic. Everybody's just losing their goddamn minds, and it's just <laughs> like these. You have to have one of these every single week because look at what Death Triangle do, and like they get. Like these two get buys in a tournament or something because that match was so amazing that like you fans call for it and now we're getting it you know and you get the trios tournament off the back of just how class this is and it this sort of like this wasn't even like was it promoted that much ahead of time the buy in one with um how was it Blake oh and yeah Eric great. Redbeard's lot well, that was no that was on the rampage before I, like that was absolutely class and this theoretically should be better because of the story and the talent so I can't miss can't miss win for. House of Black. House of Black. House of Black. They can just, they, like, Death Triangle can afford the loss. More. Yeah. Like, and that's boring, but... Well, they just need one, aren't they? And you can have, you can have uh, Julia Hart coming down, looking all sad, and uh, Alexander Brandes will be like, you're right, love, what's the problem? And missing a face. No, missing his face, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I've done that there, but... Jeez. I'm just trying to get some storylines finished. Well, yeah, they rounded on her. They, they were about to, like, batter her with a chair, weren't they? Yeah. She didn't just join the group, like, what would have made sense after six months. Yeah, no. That's that's we, that's still counting. That's still going on. I'm trying to put a bow on a few storylines <laughs> here. Uh, right, let's talk anarchy in the arena. Ugh, I hate that name. I hate the name. But at the end of the day, like someone's getting thrown through like a stack of 
burning tables. It's either going to be Kingston or Moxley and Brian. Fire by the wizard. And when they're all putting this together. Sorry, you talk first. Well, no, I'm just going to see how, what, how you thought it was going to play out and how they drag it out to the next pay-per-view, probably, because... They're going to do it on... There's already, like, massive rumours that there's going to be um, a blood and guts yes. on telly again in the That's summer. I mean. And this yeah. is the obvious place where it's going to go. So the JAS are going to win, otherwise there's no real point in doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, a stack of four tables on fire. Fire is... There's fire where this is going. Anyone gets that reference? I'd be a good person. Good person. Good taste, have it right. There's fire where you are going. And someone's gonna get put through at least one flaming table, probably Moxie or Kingston. And that's how they're going to lose the Blackpool Combat Club X L A X thing that this is. I think that when all ten guys get together and lay this thing out, right? Someone and you know, Chris Jericho's great, but he has some bad ideas and some great ones. And he's going to say something to the effect of, hey guys, let's get some candlesticks. <laughs> I don't know why he talks like this. And Danielson's going to go, nah. <laughs> and they're going to say, like, what if we do this kind of spot? And Danielson's just going to go, nope. What I'm basically saying is that Brian Danielson is going to make this amazing. <laughs> it would be loads of fun if it was just at least eight of these people in a plunder ball, because they're all great at it, but Danielson is the one. Brian Danielson is the one, and he's going to make sure that this is incredible. Remember the stupid idea to put one, the Miz in a submission match, but the submissions count anywhere match with Dan, uh, Bri- Daniel Bryan, John Morrison, and the Miz. Yeah. It's like nowhere near. It should not be as good as this. Yeah. Daniel Bryan is a genius at this. Danielson yes. is the best. And it's going to be that times three plus one. I was trying to think of, because of the name and because of the gimmick, and I was trying to think of like sports entertainment things they could mock. And because of the people in the match, it's really tough because, like, it's like obviously the heels will want to parody things, but it's still a big fight, and you can't parody things too much, otherwise, the baby faces look weak. For yes, just sitting there selling it. So the one thing I thought of was zombies. The two things I thought of after zombies were four. Like four is easy because there's four corners, but five if you want to do all five. Simultaneous spears through the barricades, like all <laughs> all the baby faces spear all the heels through the barricades all at the same time. It's just like the one big spot. Saying, There's loads of people out there. We have never seen this before. <laughs> like just something that is a total like totally ripping the piss yeah. out of what WWE go to for the shortcuts. And I, I, but the baby faces are too real and believable to kind of get sucked into that sort of thing. So I'm not sure if they'll go down that route or not. They could get cute, and uh, because like it. it this has, honestly, like the opportunity to get a little bit too meta for its own good. If they dispense with it early, much like Joey Janela with the tennis racket, like a little gag like that, and then do 12 minutes of insanity. Yeah. They could... I think the kendo stick is the weapon most associated with WWE just overdoing things. So if, like, one of them, like, one or 2.0 gets a kendo stick and thinks, like, how cool am I? How unique is this? And someone just breaks it over... Their knee and like try to stab him in the eye with it or something like that. <laughs> From under the ring, the Jericho Appreciation Society pull out a breeze block and smash it over Moxley's head, and he, he just no turns to dust. Head. And he's like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, like, just shakes it off because it's <laughs> absurd. Like there, yeah, I like that as well. Like at least one of those moments would yeah. be nice. What was the entrance for for Jericho's the inner circle? On the first stadium stampede, this, was it the second one where they like oh repelled down the side of the the 
building. Yeah. That was the second one where they repelled. The first one was really good. It was the American football one. I thought it was. Like the Super Bowl tunnel sort of thing. I'm just, uh, mine's really simple. I haven't really got any ideas for anything to happen in this because I'm just going to leave it to, like you say, the people who are in this are probably going to come up with a lot better stuff than I am. So just uh, for the entrances, massive flame on this, like Kane-style sort of flame, but just in the place. And then when the flame dies... Then there's your member of Jericho Appreciation Society because uh, Jericho's a wizard and he's bringing them out <laughs> from the back. Or even better, actually, as I say that, a fla- so it's meant to be flame. Oh my God, they've been teleported into, you know, or they've been transported via wizardry, but just show them running into his place. Like Jericho's going, run into place and it'll make it look like I'm a wizard. So you see, like, Matt, <laughs> not, not Daddy Magic just running into place and then holding it and then slightly being on fire a bit. What's the big. Um Casino or hotel? Is it Caesar's Palace in Vegas, uh, where there's the ginormous fountain? It's like known for its big fountain. Oh yes, uh, the oh, the uh, Bellagio. Bellagio, that's it. Yeah, uh, Jericho sets somebody on fire and they jump into the fountain of the Bellagio, <laughs> and then that's the entrance, and they walk into the building from there. Vegas, Vegas, baby. Vegas. Fountain, <laughs> pissing. Uh, but Jer- Jericho win to take it to Bucky yes. Cuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, let's before we get to the two world title matches, let's talk about them. Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> this is a preview pod. <laughs> gotta talk gotta about the match. We've got to talk about, arguably, like you say, the most anticipated match on the card MJF versus Wardlow. Uh, of course, if Wardlow wins, he gets his release from MJF and he can become an AEW wrestler properly. If not, he will be permanently banned from signing with AEW, which feels, Sige, like, well, this can only go one way, but can it? Yes, because they adhere to their stipulations. Um, I'm fascinated by this match, right? After all this time, I should have ingrained implicit faith that MGF, nothing he does fails at this point. But do people want to see Wardlow sell for prolonged periods? Are there going to be shortcuts in this match? Are they going to try? The best thing about this feud is that it's a completely distinct from modern wrestling storytelling in that they haven't labored under the weight of fake gravitas. It's just been fun, cathartic, the best blockbuster you've seen in wrestling. Honestly, this is a very lofty comparison, I know, but in terms of the tone of it, in terms of how much the babyface wins and how cool it is to see the babyface prevail over and over and over again, it's the closest thing AEW at least has got to Austin McMahon in yeah. terms of just fun, fun, catharsis. Never doubt Waldo for a second. He's going to do some really cool things. Is this going to be... If this tonally like betrays how fun and thrilling and cathartic the build has been, and then you have to watch Waldo sell for a bit and it gets a little bit too trad wrestling-y, do people know to expect this? Has it earned that kind of match? I, I'm, I don't know how this is going to go at all. Um, but it can't fail. They can't just do a 15-minute wrestling match. They can't. They shouldn't, and they can't. No, I don't think they will. I, I know what you mean, though. There's a certain pressure on them to stick their hand in because the story's been so good, it's almost allowed you not to think about the potential quality of the match or the potential structure of it or anything like that. I said this ages ago, long before there was such a stipulation like in place. I think it was probably around the time of the Wardlow turn, but felt very convenient that they had this promotion ring of honor there for our Wardlow to potentially be a top of if he's not allowed to work in AEW. It's right there. If they, I'm not suggesting they should anymore because it all just feels too permanent. Mm. And they have on their hands this guy that stands to be this potential breakout next star, huge homegrown, you know, world champion down the road. 
but it's there. It's it's lingering. If they want to do the big shock result, you have you have a plan B for Wardlow. Don't you? It was kind of Tony Khan's first. Wardlow versus Jonathan Gresham is so funny. I, can't, yeah. I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I don't think they will. But it's it's there as a as a way to cast a little bit of doubt. I will say if they um, you in the building, Cedric, Brock Lesnar beats the Undertaker. And it's like, right, no pressure, Brian, but you better be as over as you say you are because you've got a reinflated balloon that's been deflated after 20-odd years, right? That's what Punk and Hangman face if Wardlow loses on this undercard. There will be a crowd utterly devastated by what they've just seen. But sometimes devastation is good. You know, MJF kicking Cody in the nuts with similarly huge ramifications. Not only has Cody just taken one in the bollocks, he now can't fight for the title ever. That would be similar, wouldn't it? Wardlow losing this match somehow and thus theoretically never being able to work in AEW has similar heft at this point. Credit to them for arriving at this point. And it's worth remembering that there have been huge Cody comparison points throughout the story. The Lashes, the cage match, it would be it would complete that. The rule of three would complete it if he suffers the same fate. A kick in the balls, as has been featured on television, is like, Wallow's got bollocks like everybody else. They're a weak spot to him, you know, even though he's a monster. <laughs> maybe the comparison will continue and Wardlow will lose this big match just like Cody did. I don't think so, but I'm as interested in that outcome as I am the one which I think will happen, which is the, the happy end. And the Austin comparison is really good because we've always talked about this. No matter what Vince did, the whole point was by the end of the two hours, Austin has got out of it. See you next week to see how Vince gets him in trouble yet again. Wardlow winning only sets up MJF to want to get him in more bother on next Wednesday Dynamite and get yes. some revenge. Oh, bugger, he's got his job. What am I going to do to him now? It's not the end. Yeah. It's just a really cool chapter point. Yeah. Um, Hart says Maxwell, Head says uh, Piggy, obviously. But I have actually got a finish for you, which isn't preposterous like someone falls off the building or something like that. It is referee goes down or Sean Spears texts the referee. And what has been one of the central themes throughout MGF's entire relationship with Wardlow? The ring. The, the beautiful ring. Diamond, diamond ring. ring. MJF sets up to, to clobber him with that. And that's what laid him out when he was doing the... What was it? I was straight after the last years, wasn't it? Um, and, and Wardlow catches the hand, gets the ring, pulls it off, swallows it. <laughs> and then you can give him the ring back. There you go. Did you say you want the ring back? There you go. And then he can never want to wear it again. And then I don't know when the next tournament is. That feels like that's... December is usually when it happens. Do you know what I've just thought of? Wardlow's got no mates. I love that detail. Going about it all the time, I know. I love that detail. Wardlow's got no friends, right? Theoretically, nobody to run off Sean Spears. What if this is the payoff to the thing nobody wants to talk about, which is the collapse of the pinnacle, and FTR run off <gasps> Sean Spears, and that is the confirmation to MJF that they are no longer part of his group of bastards. They're good guys, and they're doing what's right because they were Wardlow's friend. Like, Wardlow was doing all those things. He wasn't doing nasty things to them. They were all on the same page. MJF Spears versus FTR could be a hoot. Yep. And that's what levels it for Wardlow to just be absolutely... Like, Sean Spears has run interference the whole time, and FTR have dealt with it. So after the fact, MJF is absolutely fizzing at FTR turning their back because they're the only two believable mates of Wardlow that could come and help him. Mm, I like that. Uh, right, let's talk about the women's world title and the men's world title and who leaves as world champions. Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deep has not had the build we were hoping for, Hamlet. But on paper, the match, again, could be absolutely great. Yeah, it's funny that you couple them both together in your intro. I'm kind of begging for them both to just bang. Um, diff different failings of these two stories. But in terms of Deeb and Thunder Rosa, this match, we've seen a version of this match for the NWA title, I think, unless I'm misremembering, and mm -hmm. it was great. Yeah. Uh, and look, they're both, we know what both of them can do. You've got, theoretically at least, 
the best baby face when she's booked to be it in Thunder Rosa versus the best heel when she's booked to be it in Serena Deeb. Um, they, from an in-ring point of view, won't want this match to fail. I share some of Sidgwick's cynicism about exactly where these women's matches will be placed, especially if Tony Khan is dealing with God sports games on. I just think, much like one of the other matches on this card, I don't feel like this can fail from an in-ring point of view. And fans, increasingly, the noise is getting louder about where AEW are kind of mistreating the women with the booking and with the card placement. And there has been cases on prior pay-per-views, at least, where fans have kind of wanted this to succeed. Like, unlike what we get on Dynamite, where they use it for the toilet break, I think this will be too good to be denied, and fans will get dragged in. And the prospect of Serena Deeb trying very gradually to break down a babyface as earnest as Thunder Rosa, one of those babyfaces that reaches through the screen looking for help, like, is absolutely captivating, I think, to most most fans, most wrestling fans, and that's ultimately why AEW should exist in the first place. Like, I wish they were higher, but I've still got high hopes for this one. Serena D wins. Ooh. She just betters her on the night um, because if they had real faith in Thunder Rosa, I think they would have shown it. And Deeb She's been working hard, Thunder Rosa, yeah. Well, if she needs time to recover that, Deeb is probably the most credible woman they've got on that roster. Like... The Rosa title reign's been what it has been, but even a win wasn't promoted in the way that EW should have done, considering the work they put in previously. I agree. I'd love Deeb to have this title. I think she, I think it's better for the... not. And this is nothing on Thunder Rosa. I think Deeb is better for the division as champion than Thunder Rosa just because of how AEW neglects them. I'm going to go the complete opposite way, I think. Thunder Rosa wins, and I think in spite of the quality of the match, the fans will simply not care about it at all because of where it is positioned on the card. Kind of agree with Sidgwick on this one, mate. Oh, all right. I buy mainly because I want Thunder Rosa to win, uh, but also, yeah, I know, man, what, 12 matches potentially on this? And I sense it's going to be put towards the end of the card. And my concern is that as I've done it here, they're going to go MJF Wardlow and now women's title and then men's title. And it's like all, you know, something around that. And I know that they don't do like. You've always you've said that you wanted more of the New Japan build, 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 build sort of strategy. And they're not going to do that. No, so. it's been three. What years. a match to blow! Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa. What a match to have. if they do. If it does end up like that, as you, I hope. Yeah, I hope, what we, a match I to hope we're proved wrong. Uh, right, Hangman Adam Page <clears throat> versus CM Punk Sage. We were talking a few weeks back, if not a few months back, about this, and you couldn't call it. Can you now? I'm leaning more towards uh, CM Punk winning. I think a few of us have said things to the effect of if the plan was to have Hangman Page win, you might have had your mind changed if you're Tony Khan during the story, which has been just rubbish. Genuinely, I like... So you know when like a film comes out, it's a great director, great track record, and it's not that good. You would say it's rubbish. I'm not mm. saying it's like... The Irishman. I like The Irishman. I thought I it was just, excellent. I, thought, I just thought it was excessive. But I thought it was great. It was stupid in terms of uh, they took the piss with the CGI. Yeah. <laughs> it was silly, but it was... We don't cash your mates because they're 100,000 years old. Or don't <laughs> have them kicking people in. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm... I don't know who's going to win. If if I was in Vegas and I was a betting man, I would put it all on Punk at this point. I want Paige to win in a weird way because I kind of... What little I actually understood about what you said, I kind of believed. I like the idea of the page-led AEW more so than I like the idea of the moneyed AEW that can bring in a punk. Uh, I just, 
I miss the old AEW a bit, and I think Paige is... Re- Sorry, you've really hit upon something there. We shouldn't be thinking that about Punk win. We should be thinking about the fact that he's wrestled his way back to glory over 10 grueling months. Yeah. That's so... How have they I stumbled know. on that? Every bit of this build has been for Punk to have to... Every match is supposed to be about him finding himself until... He's found himself so much, he's found himself as the one contender. Yeah. And then at the last goddamn second, it's like, this guy's bad for business. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, all in awesome matches. This guy's been a heel all along. <laughs> so, what? I'm like, no, no, I meant to like him. I'd hate, I'd kind of hate them both. I've got significant concerns about the quality of this match. I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it follows like 18 matches, whatever it is on this card. This crowd's going to be exhausted. Like, if the Young Bucks can do their. Young Bucks match, and how much the fans care about the Hardys. Then you've got DMD, Cool Baby. You've got, like, two um, multi-man matches that are just going to absolutely bang completely. You've got a fire-bloody match involving Danielson, Kingston, and loads of over people. This crowd could be exhausted. Now, they could be brought back into life, and happily, the last two AEW pay-per-views booked the trend suboptimal trend of this match is good, but the crowd do not care about it as much as they liked any other thing on the show. So there is, they have kind of turned that around, but at the same time, if they're already exhausted and they need to be willed into the match, if they're already exhausted, that might just like deepen how confused they feel about all of this. Who do I like? What's the story? What can I hold on to here? They are two masters, but... I thought they were going to tell this incredible story where I was going to be really conflicted about who I wanted to win, and now I legitimately, I can't call it, but I don't even know if I care. It's outrageous. It's it's very, very poor. Punk and Paige need to find the wavelength. Again, I said this on the Dynamite Review. Apologies for repeating myself, but they need to find a rhythm and mm. a pace at which they can complement one another and not make it very stark indeed how much younger, faster, more explosive than... Uh, was it Roman Reigns said about CM Punk? He hasn't got an explosive bone in his body. <laughs> it's like, he's still a great wrestler, but that's not untrue. Mm. And Hangman Page is just an explosion unto himself. So there's really is scope here for like some really wonky sequences where like I just I think the crowd confusion combined with the crowd exhaustion combined with CM Punk working much better against wrestlers who aren't at the athletic caliber of Hangman Page, you, I don't know, I just, I don't see this being as an epic classic match, I just don't. Do you see them using each other's finishers in the match? Uh, yes, but they I wouldn't have done it in the build otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I think like, that'll that'll figure in, and it might help, because, yeah, it really could tilt either way, from a quality point of view. All along, my heart has said CM Punk, but my head says that now too. Um, again, I don't know if that's something that's changed along the way, or, or I'm just miles off and Hangman Page retains and it turns out that Punk's like dark arts are about to be exposed and it started with that promo on Wednesday night or something like that. I'm not sure. I just, for a while, I, I, I kind of, in order for me to have the fullest investment in this match, and this is just subjectively my take on it, personally, I'm going to discount everything that happened on Wednesday because everything leading up to that point, regardless of some details that were missed from the story, what I knew was that I'd see him Punk I'd seen CM Punk wrestle his heart out every week to get back to what he believed was the best, and he did it, and he became the normal contender in something that felt like, Cedric used the word a million times, a fixture. This feels like the fixture because the champion is coming up against the biggest threat to the title, and that's when AEW is at its best as an emulation of a sport, and it felt like we were there. 
and everything has kind of gone backwards from that first point that CM Punk saw the graph. Like he popped himself when the graphic flashed up when he was at the commentary table. Ah, and it's like, but about time, you know, this is where yeah. we're at now. This is where we're at now. Um, that promo he cut where he wouldn't guarantee victory, but he would guarantee he would go to the wheels fall off. Felt like the moment where I was like, ah, oh, right. So you've shown us that hand. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. So yeah, I'm going CM Punk. I feel like he's been. Wish they'd even lent. If you're gonna, if you're gonna shoot cowboy, I wish they'd lent more on stuff like Byrates because CM Punk could have argued that he's kind of been the uncrowned. He's been the champion elect. He's been the uncrowned champion because it's not always about belts, and you know that, hang on, it's about business. That would have been the way to tie that into story without sort of saying, like, hey, why didn't you start a union, you loser? Like, <laughs> like that would have been a way that you could have used metrics as part of the storyline. Mm. Come on, man, I like you, Paige, but who's the star around here? Something really patronising, hair roughly, you know. And I think it would speak to a lot of people's, you know, concerns or questions about the Hangman Page title reign as well. In the shadow of, it's almost happened simultaneously with CM Punk's in-ring return, he returned one pay-per-view cycle beforehand, and then everything else has happened. CM Punk's kind of been the talking point instead of whatever Hangman Page has been doing. So yeah. I know what it's like to be world champion, but not really be the main event. Yeah, he's, he's lived it with John Cena. That's perfect. That would have been a perfect way to weave in some of the reality into the storyline. They haven't really done it. Uh, so yeah, Punk for me. Not sure where all of this goes. So I think I think the element of unpredictability is stuck, and that'll really help them. I think this pay-per-view is a huge number. Yes. Uh, but I have... My esteemed colleagues' concerns of the quality of the match and the awkward silence that could define like a very flabby 10 minutes of this before we get to the good stuff. Well, it's unanimous. We're all going for punk then. And uh, I finally want to talk about, I mentioned the road to Forbidden Door, about what you think is going to happen on this show. Uh, Andy Murray had some great booking uh, on his Twitter, at Andy H. Murray, uh, regarding punk wins, confetti, you know, it's falling from the ceiling, all the, you know, pomp and ceremony of it all. And then they realise that's not confetti, that's money. And Kazuchika Okada walks out. Uh, uh, should we, is that too much? Or how, how much do you think, you know, not just in the main event, throughout this show, they are going to uh, sell you on the, the Forbidden Door, which is, what, a month away, basically? There has never been a, like, more justifiable location, time and place for something like that booking. Like, the Forbidden Door's been open for ages. There have been various points at which you can acknowledge it being open. <laughs> Tanahashi saying congratulations Chris Jericho on 30 years and that video mesh that one time was like oh, they've at least made friends where's all this going now there's never been a time where this has been a more realistic proposition as Murray has laid out and as like you kind of can believe that we're getting Punk Okada for example than this so I don't think it's whether or not it's that or something else on the undercard a bit like that kind of tag team disruption on Dynamite I don't think there's been a pay-per-view where this feels more justified this kind of fan it's like CM Punk being the guy at All In when the lights went off and on because it was in Chicago and he was the one outlier outside of WWE that they could have turned to and they didn't. But I thought it was justifiable to think that it might be Punk on that night and I think it's just as justifiable that it's Okada or somebody of his stature appearing on this pay-per-view to give you that, again, that premium feeling, that added value, you know, whether it's Naito or Tanahashi as well, someone of that size and stature. I think this is probably the show to do it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I was up at 4 a.m. So Okada probably is the one. He's the considered the best wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's certainly the biggest star there. If you want people to think, right, this isn't some ROH, New Japan, War of the Worlds stuff, get him to challenge someone, whoever. So, Who would you like to see? I'd like to see Okada Danielson. Ooh. Ooh. That's, but you can't really tie that together in any meaningful way. 
So just have, I don't know. He's not my guy, personally, but um, Great O'Khan and Jeff Cobb could be a foreshadowing of Will Osprey. I thought that because uh, Osprey posted the photo, obviously, with O'Khan, didn't he? I did well because obviously they're stable mates and maybe like uh, Osprey. I was just thinking Osprey, yeah. He's kind of like remained out of the North American picture by virtue of his placement in New Japan. This is his avenue in, isn't it? You know? yeah. like he's been working in his all over the place, so he's got to be doing it at some point. If he hasn't, like they've had the opportunity to do something with him before, so there's a story there. Well, let us know your thoughts and predictions ahead of uh, Double or Nothing on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including uh, myself and Hamflit reviewing Double or Nothing after the show. Join me and him for the live stream on Sunday night as well. And whilst you're doing that, why not open another tab and uh, check out what culture.com because also Sidgwick along along with no doubt tweeting throughout the show uh, will be giving it star ratings yes. uh, and and hits immediate reactions as well and uh, if you want to you know, swat up on AEW before this hey why not buy the book all about it becoming all elite the rise of AEW on Amazon it's right wicked now pisser. It's, it's a yeah, wicked, wicked, wicked pisser. Pisser. Uh, right this has been the double or nothing preview my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us enjoy double or nothing and we will see you soon hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.